it was a couple of years, and it was in Memphis, in, in Tennessee, and, and I was having dinner there with some friends. The guy next to me was really interesting. He was called Klaus, and he was a businessman. He was a business consultant. And I said, Klaus, what exactly do you do for a living? Because, you know, folks say that they're consultants, and you often haven't got a clue what they do. And Klaus said, well, what I do is I ask very, very simple and very, very basic questions. And I make lots of money from doing that. And that's really how you get a business to grow. You ask some very basic fundamental questions. And sometimes the questions that you ask reveal so much about you, and they elicit really important things. So Jesus comes to this guy, and he asks this question, do you believe in the Son of Man? It's a very simple question. Let me fill in the background here. There was this man, and he was congenitally blind. In other words, he had never seen that from birth he was absolutely blind. And one day he's at the temple, and, and he's just outside the temple, and Jesus comes along, and Jesus heals him. Now, we know that Jesus used a very unusual method to heal him. He got a bit of spit, and he got a bit of mud, and he made a paste, and he anointed the man's eyes, and the man could see. And he told him, go and, and bathe in the pool. The pool was called Siloam. Well, as soon as he did that, a whole lot of things kicked off. Because Jesus did these things on the Sabbath day, and the religious establishment of the day simply didn't like that. And so they got this campaign going, and they were really ferocious, and they got the man's parents involved, and all sorts of things happening. And they got to the point where they threw him out of the temple. Now, for us, that's no big deal. If we were thrown out of escape here, uh, the unit, you know, life would go on. But for a New Testament Jew, to be thrown out of the temple or the synagogue was seriously bad news. He would have no credit. He would not be able to mix socially with anybody else. He would be unemployable. And he would certainly not be one of the in people or even in the outcasts of society. He would be absolutely nobody. And so, because Jesus got in touch with this guy, his life changed really quite for the worse. Now, we arrive at a point where he is finally meeting Jesus. Look at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Jesus kind of likes people who are thrown out. Jesus is drawn towards people who cannot fit into traditional religious establishment. Now, the interesting thing is, notice, Jesus always comes to him. Jesus came to him for healing, and when he's thrown out of the synagogue, Jesus came to him again. You know, that's so true of our experience. It's not always that we are coming looking for God. Maybe there are some of you here, and your story is not that you came searching for God, or you came searching for Jesus, but the amazing thing is that He came searching for you. Well, this afternoon, I want to look at that question, uh, the question there, uh, which is in verse 35, do you believe in the Son of Man? And I want to notice four things about that question. The first thing you notice here is that it is a clarifying question. It's a clarifying question. Now, remember that the man didn't know Jesus before this incident, and he had come a real long way. He's got a growing understanding of who Jesus was. In verse 11, he knows his name. His name is Jesus. Uh, in verse 17, he knows that he was a prophet. In verse 33, we know that he uh, was from God. 
But there's so, so much more to know. And so he knew, you know, these basic facts about Jesus. There was a level of knowledge about Jesus, which, you know, meant that he had come a long way, but Jesus is not content with that. That's why he asked this clarifying question, do you believe in the Son of Man? He, he knew that there was something about him. Maybe some of us are in that exact same position. Maybe we know something about Jesus. And get this, the interesting story is that Jesus is not some sort of fairy tale figure. I think, you know, often when, when we're growing up, and even as adults, we sometimes think that, they, that Jesus is some mythological figure. But, you know, he actually existed. It says it in Wikipedia. He really did. There is no serious historian who will say that Jesus of Nazareth did not actually exist. Now, history cannot prove that he was the Son of God, but history can prove that he actually lived. And history tells us, even secular historians, that people of his day believed that he was the Son of God and believed that he was a miracle worker. So, you know, the folk who, who engaged with Jesus knew that he was a remarkable person. And maybe that's true for many of you. you. You've come to a position that Jesus actually does exist. Read a book like The Case for Christ by, by Lee Strobel that talks there about the historical evidence for Jesus. Maybe even some of you, yes, you believe intellectually that he exists. Maybe even more that you've had some experience of Jesus. Maybe you've had some engagement with him, some spiritual transcendent thing that you cannot completely understand, but you've come to that point in your life when you realize that there is more to this life than these things that you can see. You've had encounters with him which are inexplicable. But Jesus is not happy with that. It's not enough that you know intellectually who he is. It's not enough that you have some kind of uh, emotional drawing towards him. Jesus wants us to know more and more about him. Do you believe that he is actually the Son of Man? Let's just hover over, let's keep our mouse over that phrase, Son of Man, a little bit. He's saying here, look, this is true. I am God incarnate. Because that expression, son of man, uh, the, the paradox here means that it's a description of God. It was used in the book of Daniel. I mean, if you said, I am son of man, that is not a weak title. That is a strong title. And it was one of the titles used for the coming Messiah. And so, he is saying here, do you realize, do you believe in, in the son of man? Do you believe in the Messiah? Jesus wasn't just a good prophet or a good man. Jesus wasn't just some sort of guru up there with the Dalai Lama or some other religious figure. And don't be so condescending towards Christianity as to say, well, you know, I've been exploring all the great religions, and at the end of the day, yeah, Jesus was a good man. At the end of the day, Jesus was one of the best. He's, he's up there with Gandhi, and he's up there with whoever the contemporary messiahs are these days. He's not that. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the rescuer of the human race. He is the Lord of Lords. I, you know, one thing I cannot understand, I cannot understand how preachers manage to make the Bible boring. 
Because the Bible is telling us all about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the most powerful, influential character who ever lived. And so how some preachers manage to make that dull is beyond description. No, the Bible is indeed an engaging book. And so Jesus is saying, listen, he's wanting to clarify them. Remember, it's a clarifying question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Folks, do you want engagement with some sort of pedestrian, dull, flaccid, lifeless, anemic character? A Jesus who is tame and manageable? Do you want a God that you can handle? Don't become a Christian. And so it's a clarifying question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Not only is it a clarifying question, but secondly, it's an important question. It's an important question. Now, let's try and get into this man's mind. The the man who was born blind and he could now see. There was, as we have traced, a degree of intellectual development in his life. He understood elements of who Jesus was, and he could see. Now, imagine that. Here is a man born blind. And all of a sudden, he could see. I find myself imagining all sorts of things. You know, when you hear someone winning the lottery, you know, 42 million pounds. I find myself thinking, what would I do with 42 million pounds? Yeah, I could buy, I could buy anything. Well, I could probably buy one Manchester United player. But apart from that, I could do lots and lots of things with it. I don't know, cars, motorbikes, the lot. Here is a man, you know, he didn't win the lottery, but his, his life lottery had come up. He was now sighted. You, you would think that, that he, he had arrived. But remember what we're doing. It's an important question. Because Jesus came to him and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The inference is, yes, you can now see but that's not everything. He'd come a long way, but he still wasn't saved. What do you think of when you hear that word saved? I, I, I don't know. Many of you are too young to remember the, the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And there's a character in there called Elmer. And they all go, you know, when I go down to the river to pray, studying about that good old way and all that sort of stuff. And then there's a line in it that says, Elmer got saved. And, and that's, that's the idea you get, you know, some white-suited American evangelist selling snake oil and getting folks saved. You know, that's what people think about the word saved in their own culture, in their own society. But no, it's an important question because, yes, this man could now see he had everything that perhaps he wanted. But Jesus presses it. Do you believe in the Son of Man? He presses it because it deals with the most important thing in his life. And that is the spiritual. Maybe some of us have come a long way. Maybe some of us have got absolutely everything that we ever wanted in life. What most folk want today is a a relationship. They want to be loved. They want a stable relationship. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've met the one. Maybe even as I speak, the sparkles are falling from the rooftop as you think of the one, uh, this relationship. 
<clears throat> maybe in these days you've found a job, maybe you've got a few pounds in your pocket, maybe you've got that car you want, maybe you've got, I don't know, whatever. Maybe you're one of those folk who love technology. You know, uh, you may be one of the saddles that have got that latest iPhone thing that just came out last week. You, you've got it. You are now complete. This man was excited, but it's not enough. He'd underestimated himself. He'd underestimated the longings of his heart. Maybe he had said, if only I could see again, then I, then I would be happy. Now, he can seize. Cynthia Heimel is an interesting author. She's actually a playwright. She writes for a New York magazine. <coughs> She's a really extreme feminist. She famously said, women need a man the same as a fish needs a net. I don't think she likes men all that much. But she says some interesting things. She said this, I pity celebrities. I really do. Sylvester Stallone, Bruce Willis, and Barbara Streisand were once perfectly pleasant human beings. But now their wrath is awful. I think when God wants to play a really rotten practical joke in you, he grants you your deepest wish. And then laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. I'll continue. You see, Sly, Bruce, and Barbara wanted fame. They worked, they pushed, and the morning after each of them became famous, they wanted to take an overdose. Because the giant thing they were striving for, the fame thing, was going to make everything okay. That was going to make their lives bearable. That was going to provide them with personal fulfillment and happiness. It happened, and they were still them. You see the point there where he's saying? Oh, read it again. I think when God really wants to play a practical joke in you, he gives you your deepest wish and then laughs merrily when you realize you want to kill yourself. No. That, of course, is paying disjustice to God. But what we see here is this man has his deepest wish fulfilled. He can now see but yet there is still something in his life. He's not saved. It's an important question. The Bible says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Because at the end of the day, you can only drive so many cars. At the end of the day, human companionship will take you only a certain way. It's important because Jesus is the only way. <clears throat> there is the uniqueness of the Christian gospel. There is no other way to be saved. You know, the essence of other religions is advice. Christianity is news. Other religions say, you have to do this. Christianity says, Christ has already done this. And so, it's a clarifying question. It is a very, very important question. Jesus says, I am the way. Buddha said, you don't need to know about me. Just follow the way. Jesus says, I am the way. That, I guess that sounds kind of arrogant, but in another way, it sounds absolutely logical because all religions are not the same. They actually disagree in major issues. There is only one true way. 
Yeah, I would encourage you to examine other religions. It's not a problem, but at the end of the day, you will find out that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's a clarifying question. It's an important question. But thirdly, it's a controversial question. Look down the passage a little bit. You'll see it up on the screen. Look down. Look at verse 38. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. Look at 39. Here's the controversial bit. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world so the blind will see and those who see will become blind. See there in verse 39, we see judgment. <clears throat> Jesus didn't just come to bring unity. He did that. But he also came to bring judgment. There's bad news as well as good news. Uh, there is, if there's grace, there's also going to be sign. Uh, if, if there's judgment, if there's grace, there's also got to be sin. The judgment is there to bring life and sight. See the purpose clause? He says that the blind may see and those who see will become blind. Now, those who see is a reference to the Pharisees. The, the, the Pharisees there, the religious establishment, if you saw this whole chapter, you see the Pharisees, they're wrong again and again and again. Verse 16, they're wrong. 22, they're wrong. 24, they're wrong. 29, they're wrong. 34, they are wrong. They are wrong because they think that they know it all. I consider myself the Ikea king. And uh, myself and my wife will buy this stuff in, in Ikea. And uh, whenever, you know, there, there's this thing about guys in flat packs. I think it's the caveman. You know, you can almost hear kind of Michael McIntyre doing a sort of thing on it. You know, I, caveman, I, Ikea man. You know, as he drags his wife into the sitting room by the hair. Don't try this at home, folks. Uh, I'm not advocating it. And watch till I assemble um, this, this furniture. And what happens is I, I make an absolute mess of it. My, 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 my pride thinks I, I can do it. My pride thinks I know all about this. And it just turns out to be an absolute fiasco. That's what the Pharisees were like. Oh, we know all about religion. We know about the Old Testament law. We know about God. We know about all these things. We know. We see. And because they thought they saw, they were actually blind. To discover the truth about Jesus requires not strength but weakness. To discover the truth about Jesus does not require holiness but sinfulness. To discover the truth about Jesus does not require an acknowledgement of sight but an acknowledgement of blindness. We're going to be singing a great hymn at the end, one of the classic hymns, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And so you have the Pharisees and you have the man, and Jesus is saying, listen, my coming did things. When I came into the world, I did things. The light came and the blind were able to see. But there were others who cannot accept the message of the cross. Now, you can leave here this afternoon and you can leave either the same or you can leave changed. I don't, I don't know you. You don't know me from Adam. You'll probably never see me again tomorrow morning. I'm on the, the, the train to Scotland. But what do you think about this message? What do you think about Jesus? What do you think about this encounter with Jesus Christ? 
sometimes we don't even see the need. Do you see your need to be saved, to be changed? Are we blind to? Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson were on a camping trip. And after a good bottle of wine, they settled down for the night and went to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes nudged his faithful friend and said, Watson, wake up. Look up and tell me what you see. And Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. Holmes said, what does that tell you? Watson pondered for a minute. Astronomically, he said, it tells me that there are millions of stars and potentially billions of more galaxies. Astrologically, I perceive that Saturn is in Leo. Orologically, I know that it's 3.15 in the morning. Theologically, I can see that God is the creator of all things, and he is wonderful. Meteorologically, I can tell you that it's going to be a beautiful day tomorrow. Why? What does it tell you, Holmes said? Watson said, uh, Holmes said to Watson, it tells me that someone has stolen our tent. Sometimes you can't see the obvious. You wake up at quarter past three in the morning and you see the stars, and you don't realize that your tent's gone. I wonder this afternoon, do we actually see? If, if you're not Christian, do you, do you see your, your lostness? Do you see that you're without God and, and, and without hope? Do you see that? And that's why Jesus is saying, listen, do you believe in the Son of Man? But the fourth thing about this question is it's a closing question, isn't it? It's a closing question. Some questions are asked to bring closure. I don't know if many of you are in sales, but uh, the, a key in, in, in sales is, is closure. You know, when you buy a car, the guy says, are you buying it? There is a point in which you must buy it. Do you believe in the Son of Man? In verse 38, the, the blind man confronted with the evidence, then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus is not just to be admired. Jesus is to be worshipped. For many of you, remember what we're saying, it's a closing question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Some of you will say, yes, I believe, I follow him, I commit to him. Into his care I cast my whole life. You're Yorkshire people, you're honest. Others of you will say, no, I don't believe in him. I'm not going to follow him. I cannot force you. All I want today is a degree of, of honesty. I'm going to ask a question one more time, one last time. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Will you, like this man, the blind man, commit yourself to him wholly and totally? Because he'll change your life, you know. Following him is an adventure. Following him is something that will give you hope in life and hope in death.